Welcome to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. Tis the season for office holiday parties. These events present a once a year opportunity to boost employee morale and reward workers for another great year. But they can also open employers to a number of litigation risks and liability headaches. Take a listen as employment shareholders Kayla Dreyer and Luke Glisson discuss the most important questions for employers, from serving alcohol and time of day to mandatory attendance and inclusivity concerns, and the best strategies to avoid the biggest risks when planning end-of-year festivities. My name is Kayla Dreyer. I'm a shareholder at Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek. Joining me today is Luke Glisson, also an employment shareholder at Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek. Thanks for having me. This is my first podcast, and I'm excited to do it with you, Kayla. Is it your first podcast ever, or just on the Brownstein podcast? Ever. Oh, wow. It's my first attempt at podcasting. So today, we're here to talk about holiday parties, one of my favorite employment-related topics. Do's and don'ts, horror stories, what to do the day after. Are you ready? I'm ready. It's a lot to talk about here. So, Luke, you've had a lot of experience as an employment lawyer. If you could create the most high-risk holiday party, what are some features that that holiday party would have? There's one example that jumps to mind. This was a, a real holiday party that happened, and it featured a tequila ice luge. It's a terrible Excuse idea. Me, what? <laughs> tequila <laughs> ice luge was brought into the office. This occurred in the office, not at a bar, not at any other venue. The head of the office hired someone to create uh, an ice luge for their holiday party. Now, were company resources used to purchase this ice luge? 100% company resources were used to pay for the ice luge. And was it actually utilized as a tequila ice luge by various attendees? I think uh, there were some attempts made, but I think um, it did not actually get put to use. Oh, really? Yes. Someone intervened. It, told their bo- it was not me. I was not the intervener. Someone told their boss, I don't think this is going anywhere good. So what happened to this? Did it melt? No, I think it, I think it just sat there. Oh, okay. Yeah, it so turned it was into an art uh, installation. Like a postmodern tequila ice luge <laughs> yeah, not yeah. to be used. Okay. That's a nice way to put it. So yeah. why, why was that you know, such a high risk? And when I say risk, I mean litigation-wise, high risk for potential claims of litigation or otherwise. Why why would a tequila ice luge be a bad idea uh, on property at an office holiday party? I think there is a lot of pressure for planning holiday parties to make sure that people have fun, right? Especially if it's in the office. You don't want it to be a boring event. You want to celebrate the year that everyone's had. You want everyone to be able to have a good time. But there's definitely a line that people cross, and that is just one example where it can lead to uh, judgment that is is not people's best judgment. And in that particular office, there was not mass transportation. Everyone drove to the office, and they drove home. Now, a company can always provide Ubers for employees to drive home, but you need to think ahead. If someone's going to be hopping into a car after your idea is they've been having fun with a tequila ice luge for the evening. 
that's a dangerous combination. And especially in your office, using office parking, garage parking, right? Well, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we laugh because I think we both acknowledge that there's there's some serious liability (laughs) there for serving, over-serving folks and then letting them get into a vehicle that you have constructive knowledge, at least, that they're parking in a, you know, reserve spot or something like that in the work garage. Yes. So alcohol. So we're saying there's high risk around alcohol. Yeah, and I think different levels of risk, right? If you're serving beer and wine as part of your holiday events, lower risk than if you also have hard liquor made available to employees. So I think one recommendation that I commonly make, if if anyone reaches out to me and asks, how do we manage the risk around our party, just take hard liquor off the table. People can still have fun uh, with beer and wine, and not everyone is focused on the alcohol. And if some people are drinking hard liquor at the party, that could be a, like a big turnoff to other people who are there. So different activities, seen karaoke. What's your holiday karaoke song? Ooh, holiday karaoke. I need to think about that. Do you have a go-to? I don't know. I might have to do Mariah Carey. I don't, and just... It's hard to pull off. <laughs> I could not, I oh, would not I, take that on. I can't pull that off. I mean, that's aspirational. Hollow notes is, I usually go in the kind of hollow notes category. Kind of Ooh. funny, not too serious. Don't yeah. need to hit any extreme notes as part of the yeah, song. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got you. So karaoke. Yeah, just make it uh, inclusive, I think, is, is another um, way to ensure, like, there's not too much focus on alcohol. Everyone feels like... They can attend and have fun, and it's it's just it doesn't turn into an uncomfortable environment. What about drink tickets? I've been to a few events with drink tickets. Do you think that's effective at curbing people from being overserved? So, the company would give everyone who goes to the party yeah, a, a set number of tickets, and they can have that many drinks, and then they're correct. Done. I mean, that's the suggestion. Right. <laughs> right. Whether or not people start sharing their drink tickets is a... It's a pretty clear suggestion, though. I think that's uh, I think that comes across in, in a good way. Yeah, I think that, that could be effective, too. Okay, we keep using the term holiday party. Right. And not Christmas party or Kwanzaa party or Hanukkah party. Right. So why is it important to use the word holiday and be inclusive from a religious standpoint? Well, I think it should um, reflect the culture of your office, not just on that day, but for the rest of the year. And if you have a diverse workforce, you want everyone to feel like they can participate equally. And you really need to be mindful about that because a misstep around a Christmas party or a Kwanzaa party or a Hanukkah party could really leave an imprint on some people and make them feel like they're not fully recognized at the firm and they're not being included in the same way as their colleagues. So like that's, I think that's the most obvious example for inclusivity in the party. But I think it like there's other ways to make it more inclusive for everyone too and encourage participation. I think that's a really good point. And that kind of dovetails to another feature, I think, of a high-risk versus low-risk holiday party, which is not making these parties mandatory. When you have somebody who does not 
uh, celebrate Christmas, for example, or celebrate any sort of holidays and then due to their religious beliefs and then making the event mandatory, I think you open yourself up to some uh, religious accommodation issues. Yeah. Potentially. Potentially. Yeah. And like my my nerd employment law nerd alert goes off. It. There's wage issues around it. If, if you make attendance at a party mandatory, not every employee is a salaried exempt employee. And I think I'm interested to hear what, what you think. I think there could be wage oh. issues around the time spent at that party if you make it mandatory. Absolutely. That's a huge issue. And I think it has to be communicated in writing. And when you're orally inviting people or talking to people in the office, not just via email, that this is something that's not expected, that it's completely optional. I think having it outside of working, regular working hours helps with that argument that it's not mandatory as well. That's a huge area where employers can either intentionally or unintentionally make an error and not realize that in trying to do what they think is a nice thing for their employees, they're potentially opening themselves up to, you know, with a small company, hundreds of dollars of unpaid wage claims. With a larger company, you know, thousands of dollars right. for unpaid wage claims. Right. So definitely very important to consider. And, you know, going back to the conversation we've been having about how to have the low or throw the lowest risk possible holiday party before we got on the horn here we were talking about uh how daytime parties are probably going to be the least risky (laughs) because you can't really get in too much (laughs) trouble during the day one would hope but you know when you have something during normal business hours i think that you know, definitely lends itself to a potential wage and hour violation. Speaking of potential wage and hour violations, what do you think about inviting independent contractors, so-called 1099s, to a holiday party? Do you think that there's risk with that individual somehow being deemed misclassified if they're being included in a work party? Right. So the risk would be you're treating either some or all of your independent contractors the same way that you treat your employees. And therefore, they are, in fact, in in the eyes of the law, employees and entitled to benefits and tax treatment the same as your employees are. I think companies should be really thoughtful about opening up their holiday parties to people who aren't employees. And I I think that's one reason why. Uh, potential misclassification of someone who, for all intents and purposes, looks like an employee. They look like an employee to to the people who work for you because you're treating them in the same way. Like a holiday party is thought of as a way for a company to recognize all the contributions its employees have made throughout the year. It should be kind of like special day of recognition for everyone and a time to be able to relax, have fun together, and just not be purely work-focused, but recognize all the hard work you've put in. And if you're treating a contractor the same way, that might be a um, pretty clear signal to everyone else that you're viewing this person as being equivalent to your employee. So yes, I, I, I think that would raise risk. Very eloquently put. <laughs> Thank you. 
let's talk about inappropriate conduct that that is alleged to have occurred at one of these mm. parties. I mean, Everyone's what is fear the day after the party when the phone rings? What will you hear <laughs> when you pick up that call? <laughs> what does a conscientious, responsive employer do when they get that phone call or that text message that something untoward has occurred? And I think it starts before the party happens. That afternoon, the dreaded conduct email is sent oh, out me more to about everybody. This. A reminder that tonight we want everybody, or this afternoon, we want everybody to, to have a good time, to celebrate all of your achievements across the year, but a reminder that all the same expectations for your conduct and behavior that apply to a normal work scenario apply equally to the holiday party. Maybe one step beyond that is making certain people accountable at the party. Leadership, HR, of course, is, is the natural one. Everybody keeps an eye on HR at these events. But maybe management, too. Let them know that we want you to make sure that this party is consistent with the values of our company. And we're going to assign some accountability to you for that. So I think the best approach is to avoid these things from happening in, in the first place. It's not always possible, as we've heard, despite best intentions in a really thought-out plan, not always possible. So if something does happen, I think you need to treat it the same as you would a workplace conduct issue. So potential investigation. Absolutely. Potential discipline it's a, it's a company-sponsored event. Everyone should feel completely safe. There should not be any conduct that's not consistent with what happens at a business meeting or at work. And people should be able to have fun. But it's not hard to draw the line between having fun and doing something inappropriate that results in, in an investigation the next day. So you mean employees should continue to comply with anti-discrimination policies? anti-harassment policies, all of that. When we're talking about values, that's what you're talking about, One, right? 100%, yeah. And do you have other thoughts about how, I, how to set up a holiday party in the right way or, no, or what to are, do if, if something I think these are interesting, good ideas. You know, I've had a client who utilized something called the buddy system in a different kind of context, but similar like accountability where you had certain employees who stayed sober out of their own volition and then could be somebody that an individual could turn to if something happened, anonymous hotline, any of those, which many large companies already have that set up as part of their complaint procedure. So I think all of these are great points about reiterating the businesses, policies, and procedures. And the it, when you send that email out that afternoon, reminding everyone of expected code of conduct, in advance of having fun, you uh, also could include information about how to go about making a complaint. That's a really good point. You know, in terms of what do I do if I receive a complaint, if I'm an employer, HR, or a man as an HR professional or a manager, you know, immediately talk to the relevant witnesses and treat it like anything else, like you said, any sort of investigation that would be kicked off and respond appropriately. Okay, so yes. we're in Colorado here. Yes. Where cannabis is legal. Well, I mean, it's legal f 
by the state of Colorado, not federally. What do you have a, a situation where you have some employees who've been having a nice night together? One of them says, hey, I'm going to go smoke some cannabis um, across the street from the party. Does anybody want to go with me? The person does this, comes back. I'm an employer with an anti-drug policy. Do I have an issue there if somebody makes a complaint? Should I or must I discipline or terminate that employee? I feel like you were tipping me off a little bit to the answer as you started the question. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I like help. I'll take it. <laughs> How so? How did I give it away? Well, if you're an employer with a uh, no drugs policy, that is a legal policy to have for an employer, right? The, the law in the state of Colorado does not mean that employers have to allow employees to smoke cannabis at work or at an event that's work-related that, that doesn't happen in the office, regardless of where it happens. So if your policy is that it's not allowed at, at work, again, that might be something worth reiterating before the, the party happens to ensure that everyone understands it clearly. Because there is some confusion right now between what the law says and what employers are required to allow. So just take that issue off the table Make it clear for everybody going into the party, here's what expectations are. And if there's no drugs in the workplace, that applies to our party as well. So that if something does happen, you can go to that employee and say, we tried to make this as clear as, as possible in advance, and it sounds like something happened that wasn't consistent with our policies. And then you're on better footing to follow up on that. Interesting. Yeah. What do you think? No, I think that's very incisive. And I think something that a lot of employees probably do not realize that if they're at a holiday party or at a work event that they can't just go and smoke a joint across the street and come back to right. the party, especially if they're still in possession of the their cannabis. Right. And we, we've heard those defenses before, right, from yeah. an employee. I didn't realize that this was against the rules. I didn't realize that this wasn't allowed at an event that happens – at a bar or another place that the company rented out. So setting expectations in a clear ways is probably the most helpful thing. To so do. do you think, okay, let's talk about guests really fast. And I know we're, we're running up on time, but what are your thoughts about having guests, spouses or friends? Yeah, it's, Good idea, it's, bad idea, just more expensive. Definitely more expensive. <laughs> I like it. I don't think there's that many opportunities that you have to first see people kind of outside of the normal workplace and then to get to meet the significant people in their lives. So for anyone who I work closely with, I, th I think it's I always think it's great to meet you know, somebody that they're close to. And I, I think it's really valuable, builds more connections at work. You just have a different ability to bond with that person if you learn a little bit more about them outside outside of work. In terms of any risk that leads to, I guess your employees will be pretty familiar with what expectations are at work in terms of um, how to behave, and, and guests might not be so familiar with that. So I think that would be something to to keep an eye on for sure. 
Um, what do you think? No, I, I think right on. I mean, I think it ups the it ups the risk in terms of potential liability. Yeah. Um, and you have a bunch of folks who aren't uh, necessarily well initiated into right. various codes of conduct, <laughs> right? Yeah. To which an employee has been bound to. Right. So, but you're absolutely right on the other hand that a lot of folks really like the idea of bringing the special people in their lives into a work event and really feel like that's a critical component of a successful holiday party experience for them. So, it's a like all things employment related, it really is a balancing. <laughs> it, really is. Yeah. it is really a balancing act between making your workers happy versus a judging risk. So it's really important to have good liability insurance, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and to work with vendors who also have good liability insurance. <laughs> yeah. Get those contracts drawn up with your vendors. Get those deck pages from all your third-party vendors. <laughs> Make sure they have requisite uh, coverages. It's probably a good closing thought. <laughs> so are you excited for your holiday party this year? Will you be attending? I am attending, yeah. Okay. We're about... Two or three weeks away. Oh yeah, I think you're right. Is that right? Yeah, there's a theme. I'm not prepared for the theme. Are you? <laughs> I didn't know there was a theme. I think it's a Roaring Twenties oh. party. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I hope you just. I hope to see you in some pinstripe. <laughs> I could do pinstripe. Yeah, that's a good idea. That I can. I have, and I could do. I kept my pinstripe suit from you know, 20 years ago when I bought it, so I've still got it. It's ready to go. Well, good deal. Well, this was a lot of fun. Thank Thanks so much. Me. No, thank you for having me. <laughs> the, the Kayla Dreyer Podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Brownstein High at Farber Shrek podcast series. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Visit bhfs.com for more information.